see his priority and his passion for communicating with the Father through prayer. So as you study the Bible, you'll begin to see that there are multiple ways that we're called to pray. We're called uh, to praise God when we pray. We're called to thank God when we pray. We're called to confess sin when we pray. We're called to lay requests before him when we pray. But another example of a way that we're called as followers of Jesus is to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to this quote by Lawrence Richards. He says, we learn to pray by praying, but we learn about prayer and how to take our own first steps into the heart of God by considering prayer as it is illustrated and modeled in the Word of God. So this morning, we're going to dig into the Word of God and see how Paul modeled prayer both for the church in Ephesus and for us today. So grab your Bibles. You can flip to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to jump into the middle of the chapter here. In a, in a moment, I will read verse 15 and 16. I want to give you uh, just a brief a context of the first 14 verses. Um, Paul is reminding the believers in Ephesus about their true identity in Jesus Christ. True statements about who we are in Christ right now. Not who we hope to be in Christ, but who we are in Christ right now. So as Christ followers, we, we are blessed. The passage says we're chosen. We are loved. We are predestined. We are adopted into his family. We are redeemed in him. We have obtained an eternal inheritance in him. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit promised by him. And we are set on mission because of him. That is who we are right now in Christ. And Paul has just proclaimed that to the church in Ephesus in these first 14 verses. Then in verse 15, Paul writes this. For this reason, meaning, as I consider all the ways that Christ has changed you, I want to say this. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. What I want to do with our time this morning is to ask and to answer two simple questions and unpack these two verses in Ephesians chapter 1. So question one is this. Why should we pray for other Jesus followers? Why should we pray for other Jesus followers? You know, that's something we talk about and we probably all understand that we need to do. But, but really, biblically, why should we pray for other Jesus followers? See, in verse 15, Paul tells us that he's heard two things that were present in the lives of, the, of those in Ephesus. And, and I, I don't think these were just two random things. I think these were two indicators that their lives had been truly changed by the gospel. He says this first. He says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. That is, there's evidence that they had a, a vertical relationship with Jesus that is impacting their lives. And then secondly, he said, I've heard about your love for all the saints. That they have a horizontal relationship, a horizontal relationship with other believers. So Paul is telling them that he's heard of their vertical relationship with the Father that is ultimately impacting the way they relate to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me say it like this. They have an abiding relationship with the Father. That's vertical. That's led to a connected relationship with other believers. That's horizontal. 
So these two relationships are foundational when it comes to following Jesus. They were a big deal to Paul, and they were also a big deal in the teaching ministry of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 35. He says, he says this, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Did you catch it? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. It's a relationship with God. If you have love for one another. Relationship with God's family. Or how about Matthew 22? When Jesus tells us that the two greatest commandments are to love God with everything of who you are and to love people. So Paul is saying here, he's encouraged to hear uh, what is true about them in Christ is now being worked out in their daily lives. So now back to our our passage in in Ephesians. At first glance, it seems uh, when you read the whole chapter that Paul makes this hard transition from these true eternal spiritual blessings in verses 3 to 14 uh, to these practical aspects of following Jesus and how he is praying for them in verses 15 to 23. But I think we can better understand this transition by, by a couple of key words. The first word is position. The first word is position. You see, Jesus, uh, or through Jesus, we have been made right before God, and we stand positionally before Him as loved, as redeemed, free children of God. That's who we are in Christ. We are accepted. We are righteous. We are forgiven. We are those things as much right now as we will be for all eternity because of our position in Christ. It's not dependent upon our performance, but it's a dependent upon our identity in Christ and who he is. So position is what Paul has been sharing in in the first 14 verses. The second word is practice. Practice. God desires for our everyday life to reflect his life. And even though we live in a broken world as as children of God, uh, we're being conformed into the image of God moment by moment and day by day. So practice then is verses 15 through 23. So in in Paul's transition, he is communicating with these believers who they are in Christ. And now he's going to begin talking about what it looks like for Christ's life to be manifest through them on a daily basis. So think about it like this. What is true about me positionally, God is now working out in my life practically. What is true about me positionally, God is now working out in my life practically. So Paul begins this chapter by talking about who we are positionally in Christ, but then he transitions to talking about uh, how he is praying for these believers and that the life of Christ would be uh, fleshed out in them practically. That's his heart. That's his prayer. That's his desire for them that, that, uh, that Christ's life is reflected through us at, at home, at work, through our thoughts, through our attitudes, through our actions. And Paul is telling them that who they are in Christ, their position would be made evident by Christ in them, their practice. So now back to my original question. Why should we pray for other Jesus followers? Let me give you a statement to help us think through that answer. I am invited to join in God's activity in the lives of other Jesus followers by praying that who they are in Christ position will be will become Christ in them practice. 
So I believe this statement reflects the big picture of what we're seeing in the, in the first chapter of Ephesians. That is why Paul is, is passionate about communicating with these believers in Ephesus about, about what he is praying for them. He recognizes that he has been invited to join in God's activity to pray for them and their lives. I want to give you an example this morning. I've got a picture to show you here. In this picture, um, you're going to see two men, Jim and Gene. Um, Gene is on my left in the picture and Jim is on my right. Both of these are men of God. Both of these men are, are mentors of mine. They're prayer warriors. Um, this picture was just taken in September. I was back in Johnson City um, officiating Jim's grandson's wedding. And, um, you know, these men love the church. They love and serve God faithfully in a number of capacities. But I want to tell you something about Gene. He's, he's the guy in the, the blue shirt. I'd go to Gene's house on Tuesdays, and we would pray. And we would pray for lost people, but we'd primarily pray for the church and for church members. And he came up to me at that rehearsal dinner that I was at just a couple of months ago and, and just hugged my neck and put his arms around me and said, son, you know, he, he affectionately referred to me as son because he was, he was like a spiritual father to me. And so he said, son, I've been praying for you and for your family, and for your ministry, and for your church. Now, here's the thing. I've been here as a student pastor for over five years. But Gene is still praying for me. And so, let me tell you what that is. That is Gene, who's never been to Manchester, never been to this church, joining in the activity of God by praying for me and by praying for our church. You see, he recognizes the significance of this thing we call prayer and the opportunity for us then to, to join in the activity of God by, and, and what God is doing in the lives of other Jesus followers. That is, who they are in Christ would become Christ in them. So what, is Paul, so what Paul is doing here for the church in Ephesus is he is not with them, but he can pray for them. So Paul's saying, I know what God has already done to you positionally, and now I'm praying that he would bring it about practically. That is why we pray for other followers of Jesus. So here's the second question. How? How should we pray for other Jesus followers? How should we pray for other Jesus followers? It's one thing for us to sit in a room and, and agree that we should pray for other Jesus followers and, and recognize that we need to do that. It's something altogether different than to do it and to follow through with it. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, man, I have a desire to do that. A pastor, I have a stirring to do that. I, I, I've got a conviction to do that. Well, verse 16, Paul gives us the answer. He tells us how we should pray for other Jesus followers. And here's the first one. The first three words of verse 16, do not cease. Do not cease. See, Paul, in referencing his prayers for the church in, in Ephesus, says, I don't stop talking to God about you. There was a consistency in the way Paul was praying for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus. You know, Paul Paul was saying, I, I always pray for you. I, I don't stop praying for you. I pray for you continually. It could be different ways we could think about it. But notice what Paul did not say. 
Paul didn't say, I, I send you Christian books or uh, sermon manuscripts or podcast links or the verse of the day. Those are all great things. But Paul says, I'm doing the greatest thing I can do to see who you are in Christ become Christ in you. And that is to constantly pray for you. The greatest thing we can do for our brothers and sisters in Christ is to pray for them. It's really easy in Christian circles to say, hey, I'm praying for you. You know, maybe we say that because it's a polite gesture. Maybe we say that out of a a sense of obligation because we know they're going through uh, a a hurting time. Uh, Maybe we just say that as a way even to end a conversation. But I believe as you look biblically at the reality of the power of prayer, when we say these words, that it carries weight. And we should consider it an honor to be able to, to talk to the Lord on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're not going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ consistently if we don't have a plan. See, for me, I have lists. I have lists on my desk. I have lists from staff meetings. I have lists from deacons meetings. I have prayer lists from uh, email chains. I have, I have sticky notes on my desk. I have sticky notes on my laptop. I have notes of students or, or their families or others in the church that I want to pray for. Um, because I'm not going to leave it to chance that I'm going to remember to pray for these things. So I make lists. So I keep these lists in front of me so that I, when I see them, I'm, I'm prompted to pray to God for those things that, that he's put on my heart and for those things that people have, have made me aware of. The reality is, he, here's a peek into my life. You know, Shauna can call me at, at 4.30 and say, hey, before you come home, will you stop by Food Line and pick up these four items? And in less than an hour, uh, in less than a block away, I can be standing there in the cookie aisle of Food Lion trying to convince myself that the fourth item was Oreos because I can't remember what it was. And so I make a list before I go because I don't want to go home and look brain dead. But if I did, at least I would have had those double stuffed Oreos (laughs) to make me feel better. But here's what I know about myself and, and what I've witnessed in ministry. I'm not going to pray for something consistently unless it is in front of me regularly. I'm just not. I'm not going to pray for something consistently unless it's in front of me regularly. And so, um, if you're going to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got to have a plan. I'm going to say something that that I think we all need to hear. Um, It's very easy, again, in, in church environments and maybe in our connection groups to tell somebody... Uh, hey, I'm praying for you. And, um, you know, a lot of people in the room are, are great prayer warriors, and, and others maybe are not. And it's easy to say those words, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. But sometimes we, we say them out of a sense of obligation or for other reasons, and, and we tell people that, and then we walk away and we never do it. Let's not be people that that lie to their face, and then never do it. You know, maybe we have good intentions of doing it. Maybe that's our desire to do it. And maybe you think, man, Tim, that's a strong statement to make. Uh, But the truth is, if we look at our track record, maybe we can say, man, I'm not very good at praying for people after I've told them that. Maybe a better thing for us to do 
would just be to say in that moment, hey, can I pray for you? And just pray for them right there. And then after you've prayed for them in that moment, because you've already prayed for them, maybe God will bring that up and prompt you to pray for them more in the future. But let's not be flippant with the phrase, but instead treat prayer with the significance that is treated with in the Bible. Because we can't be flippant about things that are a big deal to God, and prayer is a big deal to God. So we're to pray for one another consistently. But the second way that we're called to pray is uh, we should pray gratefully. We should pray gratefully. Verse 16 continues, giving thanks for you. See, as we pray for one another, we should do this with a spirit of gratitude because we are praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And second, uh, Peter 1.3, he says this, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. There's an important word in that verse, the word everything. You see, God is saying he has given us everything as it pertains to living a godly life. And one of the things that we need and that he has given to us is family. So here's what I mean. In order for you and I to honor God, with our lives and experience his very best for us, like it or not, I need you and you need me. Christ died so that we could be a family. It's not just a luxury, it's a necessity that we have in Christ as Christ followers. So church is not just an event that we attend, but church is a family to which we belong. So as we pray for each other in this room and and for believers around the world, we're not just praying for random people, but we're praying for our family. And as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should pray gratefully for what God has given us in Christ. And we should remember we are praying for our family like Gene was praying for me. We should pray gratefully. Finally, the third way that, that Paul tells them that they should pray is that we should pray desperately. We should pray consistently We should pray gratefully. But third, we should pray desperately. See, Paul finishes verse 16. He says, Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I think if we're honest with ourselves today, we probably recognize that one of the reasons that uh, that praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ is not a major priority in our lives is that we just don't see the need for it. It's not our schedules. It's not a lack of training. It's just because we just don't see the need to pray. But think about your prayer life and consider this statement. Desperate people pray. Prideful people don't. Desperate people pray. Prideful people don't. The major thing that stops us from prioritizing prayer in our daily lives is the simple fact that we don't see the need for it. Here's what happens, unfortunately. It often takes a major tragic life event or a very difficult situation that we go through to awaken us to our need to pray. But we usually don't recognize it unless we're faced with a really challenging time or a really hard time. John Ortberg said this in an article about desperate prayer. Listen to this quote. When we reach the limit of our resources, we pray instinctively, reflexively, like the way a man lacking oxygen gasps for breath 
and the way a man who was falling reaches out for something to grab. It is not bad to pray in a time of crisis. One of God's most amazing attributes is that he is humble enough to accept people when they turn to him in sheer desperation, even when they have been ignoring him for years. Desperation prayers have been the beginning of spiritual life for many people. But by themselves, such prayers are not sufficient to sustain spiritual life. Many of us fall into a pattern where the only things we pray are the times when we are prompted by crisis and pain. The rest of the time, we rely on our own strength and cleverness. Here's what Paul knew about the believers in Ephesus. That they were the people of God, engaged in the mission of God, and that moment by moment, they were in a battle. The same is true for us. This morning, we, we are the people of God, engaged urgently in the mission of God, and the enemy, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. We are in a battle, and, and eternity hangs in the balance. So I don't know about you, but, but that stirs in me a, a desperation to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I want to challenge you to desperately pray for your church family, to pray for your pastors, to pray for your connection group, to pray for our mission partners around the world. And I want to give you three ways that you can get connected with our church into our prayer ministry. First, on Wednesday nights, we have a 6 o'clock prayer meeting you can attend. It'll begin back up January 9th when our Wednesday night activities begin again. Secondly, we have an intercessory prayer group that, that seeks to pray for our church around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year. And you can choose your time and day to pray, and you can pray then every week for our church. You can be a part of a group of people that are praying every day for our church. Finally, we have an email chain that, that's sent out. It, it sends out the, the list that we prayed for on Wednesday nights, and it sends out uh, prayer requests that come in each day. Debbie Leet does a great job of, of keeping us informed of ways that we can specifically pray desperately for each other. So why pray for other, other followers of Jesus? Because we've been invited to join in God's activity in the lives of other Jesus followers by praying that who they are in Christ will become Christ in them. Well, how should we pray for other followers of Jesus? We should pray consistently. We should pray gratefully. And we should pray desperately. This morning, I'm going to close with this quote from Jim Simbla. Does anyone really think that America today is lacking preachers, books, Bible translations, and neat doctrinal statements? What we really lack is the passion to call upon the Lord until he opens the heavens and shows himself powerful. This morning, let's have a passion to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you've given us the chance, the opportunity to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And God, I pray this morning that you just stir in us a desire to stir in us a passion to, to be a praying people, to pray for the needs of each other and to recognize, God, that we're in a spiritual battle. That, God, that we desperately need each other. That we desperately need to be praying for each other so that we can become who you've called us to be in Christ. Lord, we thank you for your love and your forgiveness and your grace. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, as a, in a time of invitation here, maybe you're recognizing I'm not who I want to be positionally in Christ. This morning, you can come and become a follower of Jesus, be redeemed, be made new. So come. Maybe this morning, uh, you just recognize that you're not desperately praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you just want to recommit to that. You can come and recommit to the Lord to be praying for each other, to be praying for His mission to be fulfilled in our lives. Maybe this morning, you just want to be part of the family. And you can come and be, become part of our church family. You need a church family. We need each other. We need to be praying for each other. So let's stand and, and sing in an invitation. The riches of this world will fade. The treasures of our God remain. Here I empty myself to owe this world nothing and find everything in you. The riches of this world will fade. The treasures of our God remain. Here I empty myself to owe this world nothing and find everything in you. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender all to Take my life a sacrifice. In you alone I'm satisfied. Here I empty myself to all this world nothing and find everything in you. Everything in you seated. At this time, we're going to continue uh, to give back to the Lord for the generous ways he's blessed us.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of prayer, that we can have that personal relationship with you. We're, we thank you for the riddles this morning, and we ask that you bless their walk with you, and bless our walk with you, and, and just help us to pray consistently. We also ask that you bless these tithes and offerings, and that we do your will. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I hope you guys have your tickets for tonight's uh, Gospel Roots concert. I'm looking forward to that. I thought maybe I'd sing one of the songs this morning, that uh, one of trademark songs, and uh, Karen's going to come help me. Uh, but this is called Leave It in the Water. This is actually the title cut off of Trademark's newest project. Tonight we'll have Trademark, we'll have the, the Becky Buller Band, and the Grammy Award winning Fairfield Four. So uh, if you haven't gotten your ticket yet, that'll be out in the, uh, go to the uh, uh, parlor, which is just past the guest center there, and you can get your tickets this morning. All right, here we go. Leave it in the water. Another long week, dead on my feet. Too much on my plate and not enough sleep. And it seems every weekend it's just more of the same. You know what I mean? I got headaches and problems and chores on my list. But I know what I need when I'm beat down like this. A little God in me time on the side of something. Here we go. On any given morning, every hood, line, and center will be taking their worries down to the river. It's where I go to renew my faith. Soak up the sun and maybe catch some rays. No matter what burden I bring to my heavenly Father, I can leave it in the water. Plant myself under a big shady tree. Do nothing but listen to the rustling of these. Let the peace of this moment, oh, just wash over me. I've been wound up as tight as the line, my reel. I've forgotten how good letting go feels like the weight of the world has been lifted. Carry it downstream. On any given morning, every hook, line, and center will be taking their worries down to the river. It's where I go to renew my faith. Soak up the sun and maybe catch some rays. No
right on this river. Everyone gathered around this sinner. It's where I came to find my faith. I was drenched in the sun and caught his grace. No matter what burden I bring to my heavenly Father, I can leave it in the water. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, for sharing God's Word with us today on prayer. I want to encourage you to stay for a uh, connection group. Uh, if you're a guest with us here for the first time, uh, there will be somebody at the Welcome Center just in a moment. We'd be glad to connect you with a group in your age or life situation where you can get to know folks and connect with our church. And if you're a first-time guest, we have a small gift for you at the Welcome Center. We'd love to uh, get to know you and stop by and see us there. Today is um, the uh, deadline to turn in Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I picked up one of these um, at random, and I just want this to represent the boxes that you've turned in. And I, as we have our closing prayer, I'm just going to lay my hands on this box and pray over this box. Don't know where it'll go. Wonder where it'll go around the world. Wonder what child will get this box or the box you packed. And we're just praying God will use these boxes uh, for people to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you uh, join me in our closing prayer? Oh, Father in heaven, first of all, I just want to thank you for the worship we've been a part of. I want to thank you for Tim so faithfully sharing your word. Oh, God, how it speaks to my heart. Deepen me as a person of prayer. May I pray desperately, Lord, I pray that. Lord, uh, I want to pray over each person here. I pray, Lord, that uh, as we leave this place and go forth to live for you, that, that your spirit will guide us and fill us and we'll represent you well. And finally, Lord, I want to pray over this box that I'm holding. And Lord, I, I just pray for the child that will get this box, the child that will get all the other boxes we pack. May your spirit anoint them and bless them, that they'll experience love and understand a loving heart. And may they hear the a booklet that will be put in here about Jesus. May they participate in the follow-up Bible study. And may they come to know the greatest gift of all, the gift of your son Jesus, and the gift of salvation that comes through him. And Lord, that is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all the people said amen. Whoa. And all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Yeah, and all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen.